Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. I, as always, am Rick. I'm joined, as always, by Alex and Paula. And in addition, I'm sure you've all been thinking, I know I have, we've been having an insufficient amount of creepy crawly content on this podcast. <laughs> and here to help us cover that gap, it's the resident roach. Some of you know him as Cock, I certainly do. He also goes by Matt and Matt Jerkholt, and he's got an embarrassingly much larger YouTube following than we do. Welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Matt. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. It's cock o'clock, as I <laughs> said. It is indeed cock o'clock. It is indeed. Which you've known from the title of this. Our titles are just getting worse and worse as we go along. And by that, I mean better. <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you thank you for coming in um thank you for having me yeah we're gonna we've been a little um lax on guests but this month we're (laughs) we're gonna go a little wild i think so we're very excited Mm -hmm. to have you in and we're just gonna start with what we always do with a little bit of an interview just to get to know you a little bit better let people hear a little bit from you let us relax for a second (laughs) and let's start off yes you're right it's a chance for us to relax let's start off with what part of the world did you live in and how does that affect your gaming? All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am born and raised in the beautiful, trashy city of Duisburg, Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think my gaming experience here is really much different than like most of the uh, Western world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the, the main or the only difference really that would be going on over here is um, the censorship and rating system thing because Germany is very, very much known for being uh, less lenient on certain aspects, especially in video games, which stems um, mainly from the fact that video games aren't really considered an art form by law here. So they are treated in a different point of view. And I think that there are two subjects specifically that are really difficult to i don't know deal with in in gaming here which is for one violence germany really hates violence in video games which leads to uh, some uh, kind of funny censorship methods or just straight out banned games mm-hmm. which can be very frustrating and the more understandable one is of course with um, nazi symbols being uh, understandably banned the, Makes sense. the only problem yeah i mean we all know why of course uh the problem there is just that um that it's maybe not handled the best way in the in video games in the media of video games because uh at least until recently it was literally not received as art so um while mm. film and uh literature and other stuff has been evaluated has been um, evaluated in that way that uh, if it has an artistic um, value to show these sort of themes, then it's a okay. But in video games, it's just like no, we we won't have that. Let's take it out. Wolfenstein, bro, no, that's just like a triangle now, okay? And, and there was so- there was some hilarious bits of like I think it was Wolfenstein two, the recent one where Hitler's just had his mustache like reversed. Uh-huh. Well, no, Henry Cavill, they just airbrushed it off. That's, I didn't even uh, know about that until recently that they actually changed Hitler's appearance, which is a, a completely nonsensical in every way. Mm-hmm. That's so but, weird. Like, that uh, feels counterproductive, right? Like, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. 
I think we're missing the. Yeah, it was Adolf Hitler. It's a completely different guy. <laughs> yeah, it's Jiminy Hitler. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm imagining like a little pint-sized Hitler just on like Pinocchio's shoulder. He's like, come on. How did we get here already? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're wild right, having mate. a German on here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, apparently, video games are like um, slowly being taken more seriously in that regard and uh i've mm -hmm. i've read that they are now judged on a case-by-case -case basis just like other pieces of media which sounds in theory like it's the better way to do i just i i can't confirm if it's actually been done better recently i have no idea mm -hmm. and okay I, uh, the only one more thing that i do actually want to say about how german gaming is different is that exactly one year ago steam started to region lock all adult uh games for german users oh. uh or I almost that. yeah because uh germany was asking for them to implement a proper age verification and mm. they just said nah man we we won't we won't do that and as a result they just decided to completely make Almost all adult games on the platform inaccessible to German users, wow. which is kind of the worst possible way to deal with it, in my opinion. That's annoying. Valve's <laughs> <laughs> just like, too bad, suckers. <laughs> Say goodbye to all your boobs <laughs> and wieners. <laughs> it's gone. No more for you. Yeah, this yeah. would be the perfect time to bring up a VPN uh, sponsor spot if we had one. <laughs> yeah, there that you go. Save great. this episode for once who got one. Yeah, there you go. God. These are the games that we beat in December 2021. Amazing. Amazing. In 2024, when we blew up. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> this is too good to miss. It just makes me think of Deep Space Waifu and how sadly that must not be available in Germany. And that's just, that's that's a tragedy. <laughs> it's It sounds like a gem, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um that's interesting i didn't know about all those like it had censorship on there like that's yeah that's a lot because i've known i have a few friends from australia and they talk about how some, like they've had similar -ish issues but in canada i feel like i feel like canada's just like whatever <laughs> like just they just don't care <laughs> do you know what i mean they're like nice. oh, well, i don't i don't care like just who cares and like i also think canada doesn't have enough power maybe like germany i feel like is on the world stage, a little more of a player than we are. So I think Canada just takes what people give them. We're like, all right, whatever. Give us the oh, games. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. Well, why don't we move on to then a little bit about your gaming background and kind of your preference. Like, what, where does gaming start for you? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, we grew up, uh, me and my sister, we grew up with a, a Super Nintendo and a PlayStation 1. That's pretty much what we started with. And um, also later used the Game Boy line. We went through the entire Game Boy line and had a PC. That's like the four corners, pretty much, that we had um, in our household. We never were up to date on any platforms except for the Nintendo handhelds for some reason. That was the only one. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I gravitated to the PC very early. Uh, I used that thing for everything at a very young age already and that has been like that line drew itself right into adulthood i'm nowadays i don't even mess with plat with other platforms honestly mm. 
Um, another thing is uh, my my dad is super super um, against violence in media, which <laughs> makes kind of sense. Uh, when we just talked about the censorship of violence in media mm-hmm. a second ago, maybe as a connection there, but um, mm-hmm. that resulted in him having a strong hand about what was allowed and what not in our in our household and um that included shit like a counter strike which i can now understand why he wouldn't want his kid to play that in a way um but it also he also hated pokemon because he thought <laughs> it was too violent or shit like the worms games wow um luckily he did allow me to play those in some way or another like he i guess he just looked away for those but like we had we had long arguments of me trying to convince him to be allowed to play counter-strike i wrote him i i literally wrote him an essay once (laughs) trying to convince him with uh, arguments about how it could be beneficial for me it was kind of weird (laughs) but on the other hand he was always a pirate he always asked me what games to get uh, burned on a CD from his coworker or some shit, which I didn't even really make much use of as a kid because I was like, no, I want the original thing. I want to support the developer and shit. And something I wouldn't, I wouldn't say nowadays when it comes to most AAA publishers. So that changed a lot over the years. That's and then so... he came back to you and said, it's language like that, which is why I can't allow you to have violent video games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so funny too, though. Like, honestly, when it comes to Counter-Strike and stuff, I think I'd be more worried about, like, the conversations people would have <laughs> while playing those games more than the games themselves. Like, I'm like, violence in games is fine. It's more like, have you ever gone onto a COD lobby and just put on the microphone? Lord. <laughs> That's yeah. what I yeah, worry, I, I guess. That wasn't... That wasn't even a thing that my dad considered yeah. at the time because that wasn't yet that uh, popular at the, back then. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even even I nowadays despise the Call of Duty franchise for similar <laughs> reasons that my dad had back then with Counter-Strike. Yeah. So I get it in hindsight, kind of. Mm-hmm. But it was frustrating at the time. For Like, I, I also everybody say- else in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. I always shit on COD, but I, I do have to say that the new Vanguard one, they, they're they trying. They went real anti-Nazi in that one and, like, unapologetically so. And, like, very... Because, like, some games, like Battlefield and stuff, are, like... So I, like, I remember one of the World War... They're, like, World War II one that they did was, like, a little, like... <laughs> there's some weird stuff in there where it was like kind of sympathetic towards them in, like, very odd ways. Whereas Vanguard is just like, nah, man. Nazi bad. <laughs> you, know, you set the bar so low, like that. That's literally one rung above the game runs and doesn't brick my console. Hey, listen, that's my expectations for COD. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, no, so I, say, I saw that like went on it and like said like it's actually it did a quite good job, but it actually like dealt with like um you know anyway it, the new one they're trying some stuff they're they're doing some things with the story that I think yeah. I'm like okay I'm down if you're trying to explore this side of it will I ever play the game. No, <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> but, but I hate this is such a tangent. I hate that that game is like forty percent down on sales and still the second highest selling game of the year. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. 
It's just like, come on, man. <laughs> oh, Lord. But Sorry, anyway. Matt, you were going to say something then. Well, I was just going to say that I haven't, I never looked at that release specifically, but if it's again Nazi shit, that's not even anything special because they've done that a million times. And it's the easiest, like, black and white story to tell in this kind of setting. So that doesn't even impress me. Do something about the, I don't know, the uh, American military and their shit and show yeah. that in a uh, more nuanced way. That would be a thing to do. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I guess they would, like, they would lose their U.S. Army sponsorship or something. Probably. Uh... <laughs> probably. <laughs> One interesting thing they did do is like, because you're like playing as like a crack squad. I should link this video. It's a good video. This guy, he just like was breaking down Vanguard. And like, because you're like, you play as a um, black American soldier. And so like, he's discussing like the racism and like the contradictions within the Nazi ideology and like the shit he deals with as well. And like, um, could they have gone further with it? 100%. But like, yeah, I was actually like, I was surprised. I'm like, okay. Okay. Um, and I think it's made some people uh, who are a little, uh, you know, go like, oh, those SJWs made them a little mad. So I'm happy. <laughs> you know? I'm like, ha ha. Like, there you go. Good job, Call of Duty. You tried something here. But could it be better? Probably. Um, and this is yeah. also from someone who's just watched videos of people describing it. I've not played the game myself. So, yeah, okay. Grain of salt. <laughs> um, but I always get happy when, you know, neo Nazis get mad. Just it just warms my oh, heart, you know. I mean, <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> when people piss them again, off. Anyway. such a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you gotta. Are you guys somewhere. just like hate <laughs> war and like hunger? It's like, I, has anyone else thought how that's the worst? <laughs> but you gotta understand, like, like with a game like COD, where like so many not having people access play to it. clean water. What's that about? Who, I know, right? Who said my, that was okay. My thing is like anything that is slightly just not the like glorified war makes me just like at least if it's if it just at least that much because like you said even the second highest selling game i'm like at least maybe this narrative is going to get in front of some eyeballs you know i wish they'd go all of you but... to have seen those people are playing the campaign that i know yeah <laughs> that's also what makes me sad but maybe anyway um again we went on to neo how are we how are we doing this <laughs> sorry, yeah, so Matt. sorry <laughs> No, I'm sorry for you. Come on. First time there. Yeah, can't escape <laughs> sure, it. Well, yeah. so anyway. You yeah. told us your console of choice. Moving swiftly <laughs> Did you tell us your console of choice? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> no, PC. No, we... Well, your PC counts, right? Oh, Surely. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. We've, we've let other people say PC before. Um, yeah, why don't... If we hey, remove your why... PC, what would your console be of choice be? Jesus. Uh... Uh, <laughs> you no PC for you. <laughs> oh, how, what's your handheld um, of choice? That's not. Oh, the probably the GBA, probably. But man I, after my heart. <laughs> like the honestly, the the only the only other platform that I legitimately use beside the PC these days is VR because that's actually mm -hmm. something that uh, provides a unique experience, rather than the same thing better graphics mm. um so that that was actually the only other platform i bought in probably like a decade um but i guess if it i, I do still love the super nintendo and the game Boy Advance. i guess i do still enjoy them but that's like uh i'm 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 emulating with no uh shame 
<laughs> well, the SNES and the GBA, that's like yin and yang right there. Like those are like uh, the same yeah. coin, right? Um, yeah. Which is odd. That's great. Okay, cool. VR, nice. Like, because I, I had the PSVR for a while, but then I sold it because it was like I did my thing. But like, uh, what what VR um, are you using? I'm using the Oculus Quest Two, uh, which is funnily enough not even really legal in Germany. <laughs> really? Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's it's legal to own, but it's not legal to sell in Germany because the Facebook requirement doesn't really comply with Germany's privacy laws. Oh. It's, uh, it's actually an interesting situation, um, but I don't know. It's fucking cheap, and I don't care about my Facebook account, so I still just did it. Fair, your meta account now, dear God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wait, that I've seen a... now that I think about it, when my boyfriend was playing like Dio Guesser, that is like you get put like in anywhere in the world, mm. like on Google Maps, and you have to guess like where exactly are you. And I remember that Germany in particular, everything is blurred out. That has to do with like the privacy stuff, right? Yes, yes. <gasps> you, you, I, um, you can also just send out, I want my house blurred, and they have to do it. Like, there's not even any conversation there. Ooh. Many people do that. That's really interesting. I like, okay. There, I kind of like there, that, though. As a, as, as a small tidbit at the end, there's a, there's a huge, like, lawsuit going on still between the uh, EU and um, Meta, I guess it's their name now, because of all the privacy shit that they're pulling. It's still a oh. long, lawful conversation that's happening since last year. There's a lot of going on. Goddamn rebranding. Just uh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, I don't want to get on meta. I'll go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Here's all that tech news political content that you come to this podcast Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay. Well, you talked about like SNES and stuff. Like, do you have a memory of like a first game or something that you were just like, yeah, this is it. I am into games. Oh, um, I I do remember the first video game I ever saw in general. Um, I I was still in like still single digit age, small child, and I was hospitalized for some shit. And um, uh, I was sharing my room with another boy, and he had the original Game Boy with Super Mario Land, and I remember watching him play that. So that is, from what I remember, genuinely the first video game I've ever seen. I no, but same. I same. Yeah, I got a Game Boy with Mario, and that was like the first game I ever played. Have you been hospitalized in Germany? <laughs> uh, <as> a... <laughs> you know what? Now that you mention it, now... <laughs> start breaking out to German. Yeah. Oh my I mean, god, that would be. <laughs> it, would ex- it would explain ah! our. It would explain our unbreakable bond. Let's be honest. That's would. when. That is when we all noticed that the kid who was playing in that hospital bed was actually Rick all along. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the nurse that day? Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Um, and finally, because, oh, I do, I think I've heard this before. I think you've explained this before, but I, I want us to hear. <laughs> what is the story behind your username? Good old cockroach. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I have definitely told that story in text before on the forum, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, now it's official here on the podcast. I, I, 
I, I've, <laughs> I've never thought I would be here with this shit. <laughs> I'm just hearing him. Hey, that was the moment he knew he fucked up. Pretty <laughs> yeah, much. Um, I've been using the the word cockroach as a username online for a long time now. And um, because honestly, I always preferred clean, simple dictionary words as a username over like, I don't know, Superman 69 or whatever, like with all the numbers behind it. I think nowadays, especially, it's really special if you find a plain dictionary word that's still available on a website over like making some complicated stuff up. And so cockroach has always been my, for a long time now, my go-to. When I found how long to beat and decided to sign up, I was going to do cockroach again. But then my curiosity peaked and I was wondering if it would just accept four letters, cock, <laughs> uh, for one, either because it might already be taken or it might be not allowed uh, to loot. But um, Everdread doesn't give a shit, so it just got accepted. And I mean, I at the time, I always thought I would never be communicating with anybody on this website. I didn't even realize <laughs> there was a forum or something. So when I finally found that out and started to talk to people, it was... Uh, it was... Uh, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have I have thought about changing the name uh, multiple times, but people have been surprisingly accepting of it oh. and thought it was rather funny than offensive. So I guess it's just there. Like it's I like the most never... benign of the like <laughs> offensive words. You know what I mean? Like it's just a fun one. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> I would have I still I wouldn't I would have never thought I would be here known as cock on a long running podcast. That it's that's nuts to me. You've got such a distant look in your eyes. How have my life choices <laughs> led me to this moment? <laughs> and I have to say on a personal note, I always looked on the forums you would like sign things off with Matt like almost apologetically, like <laughs> Like I know my name I says want... cock, but it's Matt. I'm, I'm a real person. This isn't just a troll. I want people to know. I, I want to peep, give people an alternative to not use that word if yeah. they don't want to. <laughs> You're way too wholesome. Not gonna lie. Sorry. It's so wholesome. I think I remember when it was first posting too, though. I, I think at first, even I was like, wait. <laughs> is this just like hold on is this a real person and then I was my like, first oh, mm. my first post in the forum was uh me trying to get back into my account because i had some <laughs> password problem and people were rightfully assuming i'm just a bot <laughs> it, it was i wish so i'd used a password manager like this one yeah you you should you line them up don't you (laughs) that's good oh awesome (laughs) well thank you for sharing that with us because it's truly truly joyful honestly (laughs) like it's just Uh, Um, as an aside i know we would normally move on i kind of want to know how rodney's doing for everyone who's listening oh yeah cock has actually got a pet cockroach (laughs) called rodney and i want an update he's just got a new house he's with his favorite he's a (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Rodney is a homeowner now. He got a 
Nice cute little uh, <laughs> Yeah, I do. For those who have no idea what the hell you're talking about, I do have a single roach in a terrarium over here that just happened somehow. Amazing. And uh, yeah, I've just, I literally just uh, did a deep clean of his domain earlier and he's uh, living a happy life. Oh, that is so good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the Our... cockroach persona is not just for show. I'm living a no man it's like it's legit it's real <laughs> um well why don't we move along then and let's get up to the games you've beaten recently so what what have you beaten good sir yeah good uh i haven't beaten that much recently actually and really just two titles that i would oh care sorry to can mention. i just pause for one second i am deeply disappointed that i didn't come up with a cock base beating pun right now and i'm very upset with myself and i just want to move along oh. here <laughs> Oh no! There's gotta I be something. Rip job anyway. Yeah. Hang on, give me, give me like ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. Oh no! Come on. You can see his ears turning right now. Come on. I'm not gonna lie, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Tell us about the game. I guarantee by the end of the segment, I'll have something to fit back oh, in. Is, okay, is, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Totally. Okay, so. The first game that I've beat recently is uh, a game called Never Alone, uh, also known as Kisima Inyet Junior, which is um, oh, yeah. an Alaskan native language that that translates to I am not alone, which is, in my opinion, a better title even for a game mm. than Never Alone. And this game is one of those games that actually have a legitimate cultural value to them. And it... Um, uh, it blew me away a little bit in a way mm. um i love this um, game i played this a long time ago on the ps4 it's you it's, played it very yeah good. yeah yeah i really like i agree with you it, you know it, it, some of the controls i found like a little sluggish <laughs> a little choppy but like i just think that the yeah. actual like story and like culture that's going on around it is just so it it bolsters it up so well yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I know it. I'm pretty sure it's been free on the Epic Store before. Mm. And I know it's on sale and in bundles all the time. So it really is. Uh, there, there are not a lot of excuses not to pick this up at some point. Um, the thing is that this game is a. The video game, the story is based on a folk tale by an Alaskan native people, the. Uh, what's it called? The Inupiaq. That's the. Uh, Alaskan native people. And um, the the wonderful thing about this game is that as you play through the story, um, you unlock pieces of a well-made documentary that you can watch um, anytime you want. It, it's really smooth too. Like you can just pause the game for a second, watch one of the short clips and then continue the game. And those um, documentary bits are people of that um, of the native people. They just explain to you their culture, their history, and the meaning of this folk tale that you are playing through. And there's this really, really smooth transition through experiencing the story and then learning about the meaning of the individual elements that you are experiencing there. And it, it works really well. The game is not long either. It's just like two to three hours, really. Um, so it works, it never stays, it's welcome. Even though there are some 
um, there's a little bit of roughness in some of the platforming sections. It, it is a puzzle platformer, by the way, with a lot of environmental um, manipulation. That's the that's the <laughs> gameplay mechanic. Hmm. Uh, even though there's a bit of roughness in the actual platforming, sometimes it doesn't really um, it doesn't destroy the atmosphere or the flow much. And like you said, the actual educational bits baked in make up for all of that in a major way. I really, really, really enjoyed this game. And I think this actually, uh, like this is a, a perfect showcase of how the media of video game can uh, work as preserving a culture or a history of someone or some mm. people. And... I really hope, I really wish there were more games like this. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's, like, seven years old now, too. And I was looking at it, it's only, like, 15 bucks on Steam US. So, like, yeah. If you ever see it on sale, pick it up. It's worth it. I want yes. Three on... things I want to... Oh, sorry, go oh, on. yeah? No, no, go ahead. I got to look something up. So you go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, I, I have three things to, to contribute to that. Number one, uh, it absolutely was a freebie on the Epic Game Store. So if you're listening, there's a very good chance you already have this game. Uh, number two, if you don't, as well as PC, this game is available on, of all things, the Wii U. Yeah, uh, it no also Switch. has mobile, PS3, and Nvidia Shield ports. I don't think it's on Switch. No, it's not. Weirdly. Okay. Um, but it's on the superior Wii U, so there you go. And uh, third thing, I've got a pun. So, oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. So, a little bit of context for those of you who are not well-versed in the life and uh, oh biology of bugs. Uh, they're exoskeletons made of a material called chitin. So... We're talking, cock, about what games you chit in recently. <laughs> and I timed that right as he was taking a drink, which I love. I, that's, Rick, that's terrible. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. We didn't say okay. it had to be great. I didn't hear any better points week. from you three, so go fuck yourselves. That's fair. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of one for later, all right? I'll get there. I promise. <laughs> oh, God. What have I brought to this podcast? Um, uh, all right go to the next one let's go <laughs> that's what's happening here uh, there's actually one one more sentence about never alone that i forgot oh, to yeah. mention uh it is the story is about two characters and you when you if you play alone you switch between the characters but you can also play it in co-op where each player controls one person or one character and i would actually really recommend playing this with somebody else not that it's bad in single player mm. but i believe it this would be a great experience to share with somebody else okay that that's about that um the other game is uh, a rom hack based on the super nintendo f-zero game it is called f-zero uh, nebula highway and um uh then <laughs> How do I say this lightly? <laughs> Nintendo sucks for <laughs> Nintendo sucks for keeping F Zero not alive. That's not cool. And um, I've said this before to other people, but the fan community is doing a better job at developing and keeping alive their uh, intellectual property than they do themselves. And these ROM hacks are a great example of that. I have been, I've grown up with the Super Nintendo F-Zero and uh, 
I love the franchise, especially the 2D ones, the Mode 7 games on Super Nintendo and Game Boy Advance. And after recently replaying the original game, I've been um, finally looking into the ROM hack community for that, which is lively. And I thought I would be blazing through a bunch of them over like a weekend or something, but I ended up only playing this Nebula Highway one because it became a whole project in itself. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's made by a ROM hacker who simply calls themselves Alejandro from what I've gathered, um, just to give them credit. And they say that it's not, not that hard for seasoned <laughs> players. And I would call myself a seasoned player. I've beaten the game multiple times. But I, there's still a fairly big le um, step up in difficulty here because it has a very different track design philosophy than the original game, I would say. The, um, the dude uses... Like, for one, it's a really interesting way to see how you can make something completely different with the same building bl blocks of the original game. There's nothing really that the person added completely new. He just rearranged stuff to make uh, a full game of new tracks, new race tracks. But unlike the original game, there is a lot more stuff in your way. There are a lot more road hazards, more dangerous pieces of road um, are used way more frequently than any of the original games, which makes it hard to just survive, let alone get first place, <clears throat> which is all fine and dandy, honestly, because the the track designs are interesting in how uh, extended and advanced they are. But the person had the brilliant idea on, I think, two tracks to just not give you the option to recharge energy, which is usually 100% on every racetrack somewhere. But I guess you thought it would be too easy. So making full mm -hmm. five laps through these hardest racetracks without even having the chance to recover, that made me spend some hours on them. <laughs> but... Even though I didn't like that um, concept of them, specifically with these few tracks, all in all, there's a lot of really, really interesting and um, creative racetrack design there that really brings uh, the old building blocks to life again in a way that mm. wasn't <laughs> that wasn't um, seen before in any of the official games, even the um, Lost Satellaview games. So honestly, if you do like the original F-Zero game, there's no reason not to check this one out because it is a new experience with the same uh, aesthetic and ground floor. Nice. Yeah. Can't say I'm much of a champ. I've played through F-Zero, but God, I'm bad. <laughs> like, those games are tough. <laughs> um, all right. Well, from games that you brought to completion... Let's move on to those you left blue-balled. We're talking retired games. Uh, see, Rick, that's a good pun right there. Yeah, you I can did run it. from that. <laughs> right, six out of ten, nice. I'll, you know, oh, I'll yeah, take that. Sure. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, do you 
Do you have five minutes to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Oh, I God, do. do I? <laughs> I um okay. I have I have played Bible Adventures on NES. It's a pretty infamous. It it was a pretty infamous. <laughs> you have the book. I've read the book. Yes, I know this game very book. well. It's the the uh, boss fight books put a book out on Bible Adventures. So, so keep going. I want to talk about this with you for sure. <laughs> this is actually really cool because I don't actually know much about the background, but I would be interested to hear about that. Um, my point of view is just um, it is a it was an infamous bootleg cartridge, I believe, in the nineties for the NES, mm-hmm. made by Wisdom Tree, a um, developer producer thing that just made Christian games. Um, it is. I think mostly known for being in one of the early Angry Video Game Nerd episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and I have been meaning to look at it myself for many years now, and I've just been... I have did it finally also to just have video on my channel uh, this Christmas, so that's going to be a thing there. And it is pretty interesting, I guess. It, it, It incorporates three different games basically that all use um the same mechanics it is they are all side scrolling platformers in the style of maybe super mario brothers uh what is it 2 super mario brothers 2 where you can pick up stuff and hold them over your head to carry them that's a major mechanic and so the three different games represent three different stories in the bible where you have to carry things for reasons of that story, like carrying baby Moses away from the baby genocide people oh or, <laughs> or uh, collecting all the animals for the ark as Noah, so everything doesn't die out. It's not great, but at least the baby Moses one actually plays fairly well, fairly fairly well in my opinion uh it's clunky and you barely have any way to like defend yourself against the many annoying enemies but it works it's playable i've seen wars and it's interesting in how like infamous it is like alex has one of the like there's a book that's been written about it that I've heard about, but I never read myself. So I'm sure there's a lot of interesting history about this game. Oh yeah. This okay, so I actually I really have to recommend, like I like all the boss fight books. I pretty much own all of them except for a couple of the new ones that I just haven't been able to get on in print yet. Um <laughs> though they're on they're all in like Kindle and ebook forms. And the Bible Adventures one I think is one of the best of the books because it chronicles um like okay the the whole concept behind why this gets created is like very fascinating and like really it was a group of these one of the developers essentially was making games called like drugs are where like you're like like games that like nintendo wouldn't allow them to publish right like games that were just like really like intense and then there was like they kind of met a group who were like kind of christian and like some of them were sort of christian and some of them just weren't at all and like i love at the beginning oh. of the book they have the eric cartman quote where it says 
<laughs> Hold on. They have two quotes. The first one is uh, the first one's from Matthew twenty one, whatever it says. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, "My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers." And then underneath, "All right, guys, this is going to be so easy. All we have to do to make Christian songs is take regular old songs and add Jesus stuff to them." <laughs> from Carmen, which. Right. It's basically what they did with these is that like these games often the developers didn't really care too much, but they created like actual games that were like pretty enjoyable. And then they would put kind of like a Jesus skin over it essentially um, to like sell to the Christian markets because at the time, not licensed by Nintendo, but the Christian um, there were these the stores in America um, like Christians uh, like goods you could buy like you'd go in and it's like a bookstore but it's just christian shit and like i don't know you know live laugh love pillows things like that right like you can picture it you know um and it was they were huge they were so big and when they found out that they could get games that were fucking bible shit they were ripe to do that and they made a killing wisdom tree sold so many copies of bible adventures and like a number of their (laughs) games through um these like uh you know christian retail outlets but as the dot-com boom started taking off and as online shopping started to become a thing those small like christian retailers started to like really shut her down and like closed down and whatnot so like that's when like they started like moving on to different you know a whole bunch of different other things and stuff but uh yeah I, I it's been a while since i read it so i don't have like all the details with my mind but like the book itself talks about the idea of like can you even make entertainment that explores like religion like this um in a way like is like it, it's really neat and like it's talking about like is it okay to like make money off of your like all this kind of stuff and like it's it really delves into like some of these deeper questions based off of a game that is just so dumb <laughs> like so hard to play okay wait so you're telling me that mm-hmm. the people of wisdom tree did not make these games at all to somehow educate little kids about Jesus? some did not all of okay. them because they weren't they weren't all like um they weren't all like hardcore christians or anything like a few were some right. of the people that they hired to actually because they remember that they partnered with colored dreams which is this other uh studio and publisher as well so like they had a group that was um like they hired some hardcore christians to market and sell their games the developers themselves oh. some were christian some couldn't give a rat's ass <laughs> and like <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it was just a mixture of people, which ultimately I don't think it's like, there's no like smoking gun of like, they weren't really Christians and they were making Christian games. Not really. You know, some were, some weren't. But like, I just think it's it's fascinating that like they found and tapped into a market that like no one was trying to do anything for and they just sold. (laughs) I guess, yeah, that makes, that's like actually clever. I do have one gripe though Mm -hmm. um, with the Wisdom Tree people. And I know you're listening I'm sure you are with some three people. Um, I've bought your official uh, spiritual warfare and wisdom tree collection on Steam. I paid money for it. And all the games work except for the actual Bible Adventures one. I had to emulate it to actually play it. So wisdom tree people, please, for the love of Jesus Christ in heaven, get your shit together over there. I want to play that game officially. Oh, my God. Awesome. (laughs) 
Uh, all right. Um, anyway, yeah, 1990. I they, just they... the resignation. I thought, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I, well, since I was looking at the book, I was trying to see if there's anything else. I should have. I probably should have like brushed up on it again before this one to give you even more details. But you know what? Why not? Why not just plug it? People, go listen to go read Gabe Durham's book. Uh, Durham's book. It's very good. Okay, thank you. Uh, Alex, they're gamers. They don't know how to read. That's, oh, that's true. <laughs> Hey, hey, Unless you're a game game. Play. Play. <laughs> <laughs> Toy players know how to read. <laughs> yeah, oh. we read a lot. Uh, if you do know how to form sentences, form one in the comments down below. And while you're there, show me you know how to click a like button. That'd be sick. <laughs> oh, we're professionals now. All right, why don't we talk about what we're uh, what we're playing? Um, Paolo, why don't, why don't you start us off again? Because we've been we've been ch- chatting. Let's give uh, let's give uh, Matt over here a little break. <laughs> All right, we're doing this. Sorry, I was like so into the conversation that I completely forgot about. Uh, oh, shit, we're recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> right, I'm doing a podcast. Uh, oh. Let me get my shit together here. Okay, so um, I've been playing Cupid Parasite again. I finished the fair the fifth route in the game that is Alan's and again I I think I said that his love tie was mania and it was like enthusiastic love if I remember correctly. Anyway his route caught me completely by surprise because he was pretty much like the character I hated the most in the common route. Though I ended up kind of feeling sorry for him because of the overall backstory of the game. Though it delved super deep in to what was overall like how the I guess the God Society works on Celestia, how gods are like picked, I guess, and like everything going on there. And of course, since uh, this particular bachelor is an incubus, we also get like a a bit of a look to the under underworld. Yeah, pretty much the underworld, and. I wasn't expecting this much, this much lore to be dropped here. Uh, I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> Not only that, but there was like a couple of things that were like left up in the air, which makes me really, really curious on where the last route in the game is gonna go. So color me intrigued. Besides that, I've been playing. Uh, I started with my boyfriend a little game called It Takes Two. This was Jeff before it was announced about the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, can you? Okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the game, but how like much do you think Jeff sweated when Joseph came up, won the award, and was like, "Fuck yeah, fuck the Oscars!" <laughs> he just dropped so many f bombs like right on this game <laughs> show, and I'm, or show, and I was like, <laughs> I'm like, at a boy, but like I could just, I feel like I could see Jeff Keighley going, "God damn it, my sponsors." <laughs> My sponsors, though. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, some people said the Game Awards were not great this year, but I actually had fun uh, had watching time. it. Yeah, I had a good time. Other years, I've been like cringing, cringing like all the way through. I, this one was actually a good show overall, even though they didn't like delve too much into the JRPG category and no the <laughs> RPG category and I'm still pissed because they pretty much said hey these are the nominees and show them on the screen okay and the winner is I feel like it's probably because they're like 
bruh, the Tails people are not here. Like, you know, like they're locked down in Japan, right? Like, they're like, let's yeah, just but forget still, it. Yeah. They, they could have made like a bit more of a, a show or something like that. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, yeah, it takes two. So, this uh, little game uh, pretty much starts with uh, these two people like going pretty much through divorce, and the kid obviously doesn't want her family like to break away and stuff like that. And because reasons, these two people get turned into little dolls. And it is amazing. This game was designed to be played exclusively into player mode. And I'm kind of sad. I am a bit sad that more games don't do this more often because the experience they crafted and the puzzles they pretty much made thinking on this two-player mode in mind are genuinely amazing. Also, it's like the first game I've ever played with with my boyfriend that we are actually cooperating and not like just trying to piss each other off. Nice. Because we play Josh's Woolly War and at some point we're just like, hey, I need a ball of jam here. Come here. And we keep throwing each other like at the at the puzzles to to solve them. And then one of us is dead and the other one is pretty much powered through the level. Here we have to be cooperating otherwise we are dead and there are like many different kind of levels like this is overall like a 3d platformer with uh with puzzles but it has like some uh battles mainly like the boss battles and stuff like that and the thing is is that in most co-op games i've played they are like um kind of punishing in the sense of well, obviously, in Joshi, if both if both players fall into the abyss, you have to restart the level. But here, like, if one of the players fall into abyss, they kind of like reappear really quickly. And unless we are on a boss fight, uh, if both of us die, we don't get thrown back like very far. Like, I don't know to start the level. We resume like from the five, from the last minute or so, so we don't really lose any progress. So making mistakes isn't a bad thing. So it's more open to experimentation. Uh, so we find ourselves like trying to trying stuff out, and not like oh no, you died, no, we're doomed or something like that. So in that regard, it has been a lot of fun, and. Even though it is a co-op game, it, they had these little challenges. And they are amazing because it's like you can pretty much take a quick break from the adventure uh, competing against the other player. And in some ways, like just a quick, a little way like to, to just relax, unwind. And it's like, okay, we're ready. We're ready. Let's go with uh, the squirrels or something like that. Oh, and this game is charming. It is very, very charming. I love it to pieces. And everything, like, everything is crafted in such a way that, I don't know, it's just, it's like, it feels right. Nice. I, I don't know how, well, how to describe it exactly. And even there's like, um, for example, like on, the, on one of the first uh, levels, one of the players is given a hammer. 
and the other player is given the ability to like throw nails uh to i don't know like to block um let's say a piece of uh, of wood in place or something like that or give like the player who has hammer uh uh like to build like a path with nails and the player that has hammer can like jump from nail to nail and reach like the other side and they activate another mechanism with the hammer and and the abilities like given to each player keep changing as they progress further into the game so it never grows still and every stage feels truly different it's not like they just took one stage and put like a coat of paint over it so it's really 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 well crafted and well thought out in that regard so yeah it has been a lot of fun i i really want to uh, see where the story is going where what kind of levels awaits us because so so far it has been just plain fun and then we're playing age of Empires 4 we went through from something wholesome to pretty much war here uh, this is again a, a game that I'm playing with my boyfriend because we're trying to uh, learn how to like properly play the game, how to have like a like a strong economy in the fi first five minutes on the game, so we can actually decimate the opponent here. Uh, usually, on on these kind of games, the first five minutes or so matter a lot, but it really shows when you make like a very, very small adjustment on those first five minutes and your late game changes completely, like big time. So I'm pretty happy to say that I pretty much faster like the beginning, the, the, the starting like five minutes of the royal, no, the holy um, Roman Empire. And I am very much ready to start learning how to use another um, civilization because, as I already said, the civilizations in this game are very, are very, very different, uh, like between them. And finally, I'm playing Pokemon Shining Pearl, and I've been spending last I don't know six hours in the underground because I just got caught like in that um, uh, digging mini game, and I've been just like digging up like uh, evolutionary stones, statues, um, charts, uh, orbs and stuff like that. And it has been like a lot of fun. And then I went out of the underground because like, oh, time to progress the story. And the old man who allowed me to go into the underground the first place say, hey, do you want to build a secret base? Oh, well, I I guess I'm back down, down there again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> oh yeah. lord and you don't have yep. like completionist tendencies or anything so i'm sure you won't spend too much time <laughs> yeah of course not it's not like i 100 every single visual novel i ever touch no not at all i but... believe you're getting called out like that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah oh, it, like I, I guess like the experiencer is still like kind of like throws things off the balance because these uh, Diamond and Pearl were orgi originally thought like as uh, like a regular Pokemon game where the experiencer is like uh, an item you equip to that Pokemon and that Pokemon gets like half of the experience of the battle. And here it, it has the issue of the experiencer all where every Pokemon on your party gets experience. So 
but the bottles themselves aren't re like really rearranged on any way, shape, or form. So I have to like artificially limit myself on what I'm doing, so I don't end up like thirty levels over everything else in the game. Because I really want to, at, at the very least, arrive to the Elite Four and said I had a hard time with Cynthia. So yeah, that's Pokemon Shining Pearl. It's still a lot of fun, even if it's just Pokemon. So what have you been playing, Alex Rick? Alex, I've got a segue in mind, so if you want to jump yeah, in. Yeah, I figured. I'll jump in. Yeah, so hmm. uh, I'm still playing Lego Harry Potter Collection. I mean, I'm not going to beat this game. Like, I just wanted to play it for a bit. You know, like, I've gotten through the first year, and I'm, like, partway through the second, and I'm having fun. I'll probably do, like, the first couple years, and then I'll, like, leave it for another year and go do the rest later, you know? <laughs> like, it's it's not a game you have to, like, beat. You know what I mean? It's a game when you want mm. a little bit of a collect-a-thon fix, and you're like, yeah, yeah let's do it. That's, that's all it really is for me. Um... Man, I'm getting into Monster Hunter Rise now. It's a good game. I like this game. I, it's like it's 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 sunk its hooks into me now. Um, like the the loop of because what I was worried a little bit, what always threw me off with Monster Monster Hunter Rise is like everyone would talk about like all the preparation and stuff you have to do before you go on your hunt and all this, and I was like, really? Yeah, uh, that doesn't sound like fun. But it's not nearly as bad as I think they make it out to be. I think if you're playing with like friends and you're doing the like you know, five-star, like, holy hell ones. Yeah, you're going to have to do a lot of preparation and whatnot. But the story, like, it just eases you into this so well that, like, right now, I'm just having a really fun time. Like, I redid a couple missions because I was like, oh, I want some more parts on this. And, ooh, I want to do some of my optional side quests. And, ooh, I want to explore this area. And, like, it's just fun. Like, I like going to your hub, being sent out with, like, a mission. And it really shows you explicitly what you have to find. It's, like, clear on your map what you're looking for. Um, the traversal is really fun. It takes me a little, it took me a little while just to get used to it because like it is, it does very much have its own unique control scheme. And you could tell it's a game that is very designed for anyone to be able to jump in and play with you at any time, because like, there's no pausing when you're in, um, when you're like out there. But of course, if you're on the switch, you just, you know, click the little thing and that's your pause yeah. button. Yeah. So that, which is great which is, I think, what makes it so wonderful. Like, there's no need for a pause button because I just locked the top, and it's excellent. So, um, but, like, you know, like, your minus button is, like, opening up a chat wheel with, like, all this stuff, right? So, like, you can tell I'm, like, okay, this is really designed with, like, playing with uh, people in mind. But I actually have been really enjoying the solo uh, experience so far. And just, like, killing the monsters is fun. Like, wyvern riding on them and stuff is really cool. Like, I was, like, tasked to go kill one monster, so I went and found another large one and, like, like uh, went on, like, did wyvern riding on him and brought him to the other monster and, like, beat the shit out of the monster with another monster, and you're like, this is the best! <laughs> um, and, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just... I I'm getting it now, and, like, I think I am going to be far more likely to, like buy the next monster hunter whenever it comes out because i'm like oh if i get this i'm into this i don't think i'll ever be into the like online aspect of it because i think that's just too much for me but in terms of the like just like core experience it's really fucking good capcom this has been capcom's fucking year man like damn they have released some fucking bangers this year and like this game is just like really fucking good <laughs> so Anyway, if you got a Switch and you haven't played Monster Hunter Rise, hook yourself up. It's fun. And I, and this is coming from someone who has never played a Monster Hunter game ever and had no idea what I was getting into. And I was fine. 
I didn't have to like look up extra shit or anything. I was I was in. I'm good. You know. Um, Kyle's so. having a little smirk in the corner, like yeah, no. mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, like I tried Monster Hunter World yeah. on on PC, and the main gripe I had is that well, they tried to go for a more realistic look, and by that it also meant like more realistic color. So I actually had a hard time distinguishing some stuff like um on on the place and there were like there was a a moment where everything was so dark even though i did like the um the brightness calibration like at the start of the game i and i gave myself a bit more of leeway because i know some games have like a hard time like trying to calibrate that and it's still like there were a couple of areas in the early game that were like so dark i couldn't like really play anything so i'm kind of curious about this one because it has a more i want to say like a more bright anime-ish look to it so how do you feel it it it, i mean um, i've had zero issues like it's very seems very bright even when it's nighttime it's like that blue nighttime you know what i mean it's not like black um oh yeah beautiful that's the kind of thing i want in my games Okay, yeah, because it's it, it to me it seems super clear. So if that was an issue in World, it sounds like they've addressed that. Um, and it might also help with the fact that it's handheld. You know, maybe on the TV it might be different, but like I'm playing it on the light, and you know, and also I will say the light is much brighter than the other than the regular Switch and the OLED. I find the brightness settings are are um, it's just brighter than the other one. So I think you, I think Fitting, you, really, yeah. Makes sense. Call the light. There you go. Um, hmm. Ta-da. <laughs> so anyway, I, I haven't had an issue, um, and I think you won't. But who knows? We'll see. Have to try it sometime. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe I will give it a try whenever I'm able to pick it up here. Yeah. Well, I also uh, I played the because I, I guess I beat this, but you can't. It's a tech demo. But I played that Matrix Awakens experience tech demo that you mentioned. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's cool tech demo. I mean, fucking Unreal Engine 5 is c- can do some impressive shit. And like, I got to say, the first part is actually the most impressive part because they do this thing where they're mixing like live action footage with like game footage. And there are genuinely a few moments where I was like, wait, because like you can tell when it gets to just the game because, you know, it's still a little plasticky, right? There's still a bit of that uncanny valley shit going on in there but like when they were intermixing a few of them especially their like backgrounds and stuff this is impressive shit and it's not really like a game like really like they let you take control at one point and like shoot things but the explosions and stuff shit (laughs) i was like whoa that is fucking cool looking like uh, genuinely they even sort of make fun of it where they're like we need like the theory stuff's fun but we need explosions now and they're like okay and like i i'll admit like the collision detection like everything was going on there i was like I mean, if this is an example of what they're going to be able to do with this, like, it's going to be some pretty fucking wicked shit. Because, like, already you saw people pushing Unreal 4 and, like, pushing all these other engines to their extreme. I don't actually know what Insomniac uses. I don't know what engine they use. But for Spider-Man, like, that's an impressive world that they've created. But in this one, too, when you're done, you can just kind of zoom out and you can, like, fly all over and, like, look around this world that they've created. And you can drive cars and stuff, which is really fun. And uh, also, their driving was really good. (laughs) So I was like... This is better than some open world games I've played. So I, I don't know. I was like, I don't know who did this, but like they made a really like it's quite a large little like map world area that they did. And you can even look into like some windows and stuff. And like 
Uh, they've got like dynamic lighting and all this. And they, they let you like toggle all the filters to show like, like the technology behind it. And uh, I think it's cool. So like if you have a, especially if you have a next gen console, you should try it. Cause it's pretty neat. Um, and it's fucking free. So who cares? Just try it out. You have a good time. <laughs> um, then the big one that I'm playing. So Last week, you might remember that I said Tales of Arise has one of the most solid five-hour openings. Um, I'm currently 21 hours in now because I've been playing this game a lot. This game is really fucking good. Like, I 100% understand why this game won RPG of the Year. It is bar none the best RPG of this year. Like, easily. It is just... You know what it is? It fucking respects your time, man. It respects your time at every goddamn corner. Like, first off, okay, all this, the side quests and shit. You open your map up, you press Y, you get a list of fast travel locations. All the locations will show you if there's a subquest that you currently have, if the location is there. Then it'll also show you a little envelope that's like closed saying there's a side quest that you can get here. So it shows you where everything is in the game so you know where to go what to do so it's quick easy simple like that um the combat is fucking awesome i love it uh all the arts it like it's kinetic fast crazy but like also just satisfying and like sometimes you'll find like you're gonna hit like a period of time where you're doing normal battles and like they get a little easy but then they have this like chain multiplier that happens where if you like go into battle 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 you'll like build up a multiplier which will then allow the monsters to give like rare drops which you can use for you know your fucking equipment and shit getting better stuff so like it's addicting to go through that and you're like uh i want to get the next one next one next one you're just like running through and then you're swapping all your characters up and you can control any of the characters if you want i've been sticking with the main guy a little bit alfin because i just think he's really fun to play um but you can switch around to all the others if you want um and yeah i don't know it's just it's good the story is really interesting too like they they don't settle into something. You think at first that you know the exact pattern of what the story is going to be, but they introduce like interesting wrinkles and they're really, it seems like they're trying to explore like all facets of this complex question of liberation really is like the big thing. It's like, cause you're on like a quest to liberate the, uh, this like um, planet that you're on. And like, at every stop, they introduce a new wrinkle. Like they complicate this idea that it's a simple thing. And obviously it's still kind of in the end, reductively simple because it's a video game about heroes, you know, going off doing their thing. But I really appreciate that they still try and do something a little different within each of these molds and like stop what you think is going to happen within each area. So yeah. Oh man. Just really fun. Really beautiful. Really really good it scratches that goddamn itch you know like it's just a good it's just a good rpg and i'm like yeah this is what i fucking wanted man i just wanted a game where i go on a fun quest where i have interesting dilemmas where i have fun fucking combat and i just have a good goddamn time and that's exactly what this game is and there's little hoodles which are these little owls and they're adorable and you have to find them (laughs) but like yeah they're cute they're like the moogles right (laughs) but they're the hoodles (laughs) and everything is tied in nicely in the sense that like all of your side quests are so valuable oh this is what i was going to say right so some of the combat some of the encounters you're going to find get quite easy but the game really gives you a chance there's like the monsters in are called zoogles um it's a weird random name but what they do is a lot of the side quests are more like hey, there's this giant motherfucker of a beast out there. Can you go kill them? And they're like hard, intense, 
longer kind of like side quest boss battles and they're super fun like i it's where you get to really flex your ability with the combat system um so it's like the game has some really intense fights in it too like there's a couple like boss fights i'm just like i i got by on the fucking skin of my teeth but i never felt like i had to grind because all the systems are so much fun to engage with that you naturally are going to want to explore and do side quests, which will raise your like level up to be enough to fight anyway. And like sometimes it's really fun to go fight a too hard boss when you're underleveled because they make it so you can beat them. It's just going to be a bitch of a time to do it. And like, um, I, I love it. Anyway, that's that tells of rise. It's super freaking good. I highly, highly recommend it. Rick, why don't you go ahead and then we'll segue in. Yeah, sure thing. So I have got significantly less games on the go. Than I had before. Uh, some completions, some retirements, this and that for those in future. But there's four games currently. First of those uh, is Crimson Gem Saga for the PSP. This is a really well balanced RPG. Um, I've just gone through like the first main dungeon of the game. Uh, it's a little bit of a slow start. Once it gets going, it gets going. It does this amazing thing that not many RPGs seem to manage, where the fodder battles represent a challenge all the way through. Hmm. Um, and the way that they've done that is by really making you both use your special abilities and also be really sort of um, meticulous about the way that you manage your mana pool. Um, because you don't get loads. It refills on level ups. Uh, and the enemies are pretty judicious in dropping uh, mana refill potions. So you, you have to keep an eye on whose level's where, how much they've got for a level up. Um, it encourages you to almost be a little bit more stingy than you might otherwise be in battles and gives you an extra layer of challenge that way because if you try and scrape by without using something, um, even the fodder monsters have like debuffs and, and can sort of bring the hurt. Um, mm. And it makes the thing uh, engaging all the way through. The story's pretty pish. And mechanically, it's very, very sort of standard turn-based RPG, but it does it all well. And it's my sort of commuting game at the moment. And it's perfect for that, like, you know, 20, 30 minutes at a time, just sit down, play a couple of battles, like mm. progress through slowly. Um, and as I said last time, I've got a lot of nostalgia for this game in a, in a quite strange way. Uh, and it, it's really cool that it's sort of living up to what I hoped it would be. So that's great. Um, I'm still playing The Witcher 2. The Witcher, rather. Um, not made a lot of progress. Um, but that's because of the other completions and retirements I've been doing to make way for what is, uh, in, in, in a very un me move, um, a game pass binge that I've got coming up. So Alex and Powell know about this. You, the audience and, uh, resident Roach will not know about this. I am doing a three month game pass trial. Uh, despite how much I, I hate that business model, uh, they are giving me three months of game pass for a single great British pound which is a deal I simply could not turn down. Um, the first game I'm playing on that service is Sable. Uh, if I wanted to buy that game outright, I'd be paying 15 to 20 pounds, depending on sale price. If I play nothing else, it's been worth doing. As is, I've got another sort of 20 odd games that I want to try and get through as many of as possible while I'm doing the service. Um, so that that's where I'm at probably for the next three months of my gaming light. I've got The Witcher, that's a meaty one that I'm going to smash out. Um, once I've made some progress with that, I've got Disco Elysium, which is the game of the month that I need to start. Uh, and alongside all of that, my main focus is going to be Game Pass games. Uh, Sable, I played the demo of in one of the earliest Steam Game Fests. Really, really loved it. It looks a lot better, uh, even in the, the brief time I spent with the game. 
proper uh, versus the demo. Uh, the world's so much more vibrant. Um, the camera control, which was my real big complaint last time, um, that slider actually does something now. And I've been able to get the camera control to a place where I'm really happy with it. And mechanically, you know, so far it does everything it needs to do. It does it well. Um, and it's just a great, relaxing game. Um, the music is wonderful. Uh, it's an article called Japanese Breakfast, who's done quite a lot of the music for this game. Um, it's wonderful. It fits the world. It fits that beautiful... Um, I don't know how to describe it because it's cel-shaded, but it's very uniquely its own thing, despite having, you know, a very sort of identifiable art style thing. Um, the the art direction and, and the way that they've implemented that technique, it, it really has a look of its own. And it just you know works beautifully. Kind of reminds me of like the Clone Wars animation style. Like it sort of makes me think of that. Like, um... although it's more pastel and feels more hand drawn, despite yeah. the fact that it very clearly is not. Yeah, it's the colors that are different. But like I'm thinking, like I think like the early ones. Like for me, I don't know. There's something about like that Western animation style. Like that's what it reminds me of a little bit. Obviously, its own thing, but like it reminds me of that sort of tradition. You know yeah and and the writing's great the one thing that's throwing me off uh the character animations seem like they're very very limited in terms of like mm. how many frames have been drawn into those animations so it feels like the world's moving at 60 and the characters are moving at like 20 it feels like an intentional choice because everything else runs perfectly i don't know if it's just not vibed with me yet maybe there's something that that changes it um that's the only thing that's caught me out so far but otherwise you know the game's the game's great and i'm i'm really liking it so far uh, finally, and this is the segue to bring uh, Matt back into this, uh, we've been playing Risk of Rain 2 because there's a normal completion <laughs> that's still waiting to be done. Um, I've got a few characters that still need unlocking, and the game's fucking great. So I will never I will never say no to playing any more of it. Uh, and why don't I use that as an excuse to bring you back in, Matt? Why don't you tell us how you feel about the game, what your experience with it's been I like? <clears throat> well, first of all, I have to <laughs> tell you that you forgot the alternative title from Russian to Euthanasia. That's in the episode. It's there. <laughs> no, no, no. If, now. You forgot it now. To, it's part oh, of the title. I, I promised to... you one usage of that and you got that one. <laughs> <laughs> you get one from Rick. <laughs> no, you don't understand. That's the official the first name. First taste okay? free. So it has to be, it has to be uh, adult every time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Obviously. I've been playing that as well, exactly, with you. Um, and Avatar, let's not forget our fantasy yeah. critic coach, but sorry, go on. Good old Abby. Yeah, um, it's like I'm not playing Rogue Lights at all, really, but uh, this one is fun. I don't think I would have ever picked it up if it wasn't for the um, Discord server um, community games plan to play together. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun. I like the gamer rage coming from Rick every time. Um... <laughs> if you didn't keep dying, I wouldn't. <laughs> you make dying happening. too much fun. I, yeah, it's too much fun to throw yourself like before the final boss. And then I'm sat there. Literally, <laughs> the last time we played, Abby no. and Kark died right before the final boss. It's a normal run, so the final boss has got an obscene amount of health. My hand was cramping up. I was there for 30 minutes, clicking, oh. powering this boss. Got through the first <laughs> stage. Stage two comes. I get a little bit of the way through there. They're just having a casual old chat. And I'm just there like, fucking, come on, fucking, come on. And then I die. And I think I did scream all of this for, for nothing. And yeah. 
I was not. It was a great show. Oh, Lord. And rest my case about the co-op games being like cutthroat between friends. Yeah. yeah. I do all the aborting and euthanasia stuff that I can, okay? Don't don't disrespect me like that. <laughs> um, disrespect me like that. I'm left <laughs> on my own. Very unhappy. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> to get... I, yeah, I could, um, I'm i going to continue get with another Rick game, I guess. Mm. Uh, I've been playing Dead Bolt. I've started that just recently. Um, Rick recommended it and even uh, bought it. He's my sugar daddy for this one. And um, It, it wasn't again, a lot of money, but I am I am technically your sugar daddy but, now, yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is this episode? <laughs> Listen, we have one person calling himself Big Rick and another person calling himself Cock. Obviously, it's going to be a mess. Big Rick energy and Cock. Yeah, this is great. All right, let's go. <laughs> okay. The well, anyway. podcast. Yes. Hi-ya. Um, Again, Dead Bolt is another genre of games that I usually don't play. It's like side-scrolling um, shwim-up pretty much. Uh, but I like the strat- strategic um, side of it a lot. And the uh, presentation is really nice and coherent. And I, yeah, I haven't put that much time in it yet. But so far, I can see myself like getting getting through it in small increments of time. Um, <clears throat> ne- yeah, next up, do you have five minutes to talk about us, uh, Lord and Savior, the Grinch? <laughs> um Maybe. I could be persuaded. Tell me more. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with with um, Christmas coming up, uh, just like Bible Adventures earlier, I went to play another seasonal game with The Grinch for the PlayStation 1 based on the 2000 live action movie. Uh, that This one has all, also been a game that I've been planning to play for a long time, just out of curiosity. There, there is a lost era of licensed games uh, back in the early noughties that I have a big soft spot for that it just doesn't exist anymore these days. And I like to pretend to be that, that uh, young little child on that Christmas, <laughs> Christmas morning in uh, 2000 getting that stupid game uh, under the tree. The, I highly recommend just Googling the uh, cover art because it shows a really cool and epic Grinch with sunglasses and being really smug. It's it's a piece of art. Um, I'm actually disappointed you didn't mention that in the episode where you talked about cover art. It's a, <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Oh my god, what is this? <laughs> so I'm sending you on the chat. What is yes, this? Yes, oh, oh my so god. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's the real art. That's not. That's real. That's, that is that's, real. Yeah. I'm not lying, man. I and... love how much I hate that. Why are there two Grinch? I don't. I don't want to know. Let's not. Do I don't. That. The Grinch <laughs> at the back is literally shooting the title onto the box. Yeah, I'm so confused. All right. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. One Grinch, two Grinch, who Grinch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and by contrast to myself and Cox, Grinch number two is a proper candle. Okay. 
<laughs> anyway, um, the Grinch is uh, in a. It's just a. <laughs> Let me talk about the Grinch. Don't interrupt me. It's important to me. Oh my God, we oh, lost Rick. I'm going lightheaded. I just. It's important, anyway. okay? Anyway, go on. <laughs> the game in itself is just. A uh, pretty much a 3D platformer with a lot of collectathon stuff. It's not really mechanically special or anything, but it it works so far. I've played an hour and it works. It's fine. It doesn't feel that bad to play. And I actually like the concept that um, you don't get attacked by enemies that try to kill you or anything. The enemies in the game are kids that try to hug you for example, and you just try your best not to get hugged by little kids. And I that's that's a game mechanic that we need more often, honestly. Um, yeah, I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the thing that's going on. What have I... I've also played Pokemon Sword out of curiosity. I have... I okay, did throw yeah. up... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I... <laughs> No, I'm talking to Paula, <laughs> not you. All right. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. Because uh, okay. nobody, nobody could forget the uh, the infamous rant in season two, episode twelve, which ironically was caused by user questions sent in by me. I didn't even remember that until I did research. So I'm uh, officially saying sorry, but that was great. Um, saying sorry at the same time as just bringing it back up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not bringing up to start a discussion. Don't worry. Um, I, I mean, I agree with with pretty much everything Paula said back then. Mm. I pretty much only play started this up out of pure curiosity because I did play Pokemon since Gen One, and I did play some um, sort of game from every generation except one that i skipped i believe somewhere and i do love the franchise or at least the classic games um i've left that hype train i guess long ago but something in in me just had the morbid curiosity to see for myself what these switch games these days have to offer and i used to be part of the fandom that was criticizing every um, rightfully criticizable aspect of the newer games. But I'm playing this now as like um, somebody who doesn't care anymore <laughs> in the best way, because I'm not getting, I, I, I don't have a horse in this race anymore. I don't care. I, I'm just here to experience what's happening. And playing it that way with no care in the world actually works as a decent uh, casual game. Um, I would never say that this is a very good in, uh, installment in the franchise, but I would absolutely say it's fine, trademarked. <laughs> hey. uh, <laughs> if, you, if you don't care much about the franchise development. Hmm. Um, what what else? I played Snow Moto Racing Freedom on PC, which is I don't have much to talk about that. It's just a so far pretty decent racing game on um, snow 
vehicle. What are they called? Snow snowmobiles. Snowmobiles. Thank you. That's the one. I just I just like a, a lot of games based in snowy environments, and I've been looking for a good racing game in that environment for a few years now. And this this is just like the current tryout, and it's pretty okay so far. Uh, and then the final game. Uh, I'm very sorry to bring this onto your uh, wholesome, family-friendly Christian gaming podcast. <laughs> but um, I've been playing a um, visual novel called <laughs> Love Cubed. I, I, I love to see that somebody is uh, copying the name of the game in the show <laughs> notes right now. Probably to Google what the fuck this is going to be. Probably don't want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> How did you even get um, this, though? I thought that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, this this is somehow one of the few adult games on Steam that are available in Germany. I'm not exactly sure why this one is okay. Hmm. Uh, it is a visual novel. It is one of those, uh, I mean, trademarked creepy hentai games, hmm. um, which. I'm only really playing because I like the artist behind it. And I just by curiosity figured out that there, uh, that there is suddenly a game or a visual novel that hired this artist to make art. And I just was curious how they were gonna how they were gonna, I don't know, develop the characters this artist created in the years beforehand. Just curiosity really, not, nothing else. I am, though, a little bit disappointed because I've only played a few VNs in my life so far, but usually they are the kind of VNs that have some sort of uh, interactivity or choices. Mm -hmm. And so far, this one doesn't seem to have any. It might just be a straight story from beginning to end, which is a little bit uh, disappointing, mm -hmm. which is... Which is surprising, though, because it is one of those trope stories where the protagonist has a bunch of uh, women uh, lusting for him. And usually, I mean, it sounds like a dating sim where you choose who to give attention to and whatever. But so far, there's none of that. It's just a literal visual novel to read, which I don't know, maybe that's <laughs> in the end game, in the ninth hour of playtime. Maybe there's gonna be the final choice or something, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's nothing to write home about. It's just a visual novel involving an artist that I like. Yeah, I'm and looking that's... at the Steam page right now, and yeah, I am the one who copied the thing. To... <laughs> yeah, Ooh, what the fuck is this? First I of all, the... go on, sorry. Yeah, the quality of the art is actually really good. Yeah. Also, it is, it was animated with I2D, and that is like, if I remember correctly, you pretty much give life to like 2D uh, pictures, which yeah, that's it is right. kind of awesome. Uh, but also, yeah, this is pretty much a kinetic novel in the sense that you just sit back and enjoy the story because it's not yeah. just a novel that's kinetic I'll tell you that much yeah. <laughs> well, oh my god <laughs> top review cons no dialogue choices stories lacking no replayability short game yada 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 pros press B to make them bounce no dude there's, there's you can use fucking... your mouse to pet them yes that's the thing 
it's fucking. That's a thing. Oh yeah. It's Wait, weird. yeah, you can actually do that on the um, I... Nicopara games, didn't you? And for the low, low oh. price of seven pounds and nineteen pence. I realized two hours in that there's this creepy button in the corner. That's I I'm still, I'm still, I'm still trying I... to come to yeah. get that in my head. It's like, I don't want to yuck but, but anyone's yeah. yum, but like a little bounce I mean, button, that's a little weird, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, did, honestly, this seems, oh, there's actually something I want to talk about uh, in, about this. Hmm. Um, it is one of those visual novels that have a story based in the visual novel um, industry, which is something hmm. I actually really, really like. I've out of the very few visual novels I have read or played, um, that's like a specific subgenre I have seen before, and it's really interesting. It's really like the protagonist character is a failed um, um, hentai artist, and hmm. he the, the girls he he is surrounded by is like his boss. And like a uh, successful hentai artist and whatever, like it's really interesting to have a story set in the industry that created this subgenre of games or visual novels. Hmm. And 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 from what I can tell, it does actually seem like a more polished uh, kind of this genre of game, with, like with the animation and shit. It is uh, clean. <laughs> Nice. Well, why not in one we... way? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In one way, it's clean. Yeah, I'll, I'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> so many ridiculous puns today. Okay. Well, thank you. That's our playing. So why don't we move on to the topic this week? And and how about Matt? Can you share with us uh, the topic that you've brought for us to discuss today? Yes, certainly. Um. So, ooh, how do I bring this across? Even. Um. There. I mean, the I topic I brought to you today, I think I, I think I got it. The topic I brought to you today is, um, in the broadest sense, gimmicks and peripherals and games. Mm. Um, I myself am mostly interested in games that do unique things or break uh, new ground in a way. And gimmicks, unique gimmicks uh, or certain peripherals are a potential way to do these things, to bring something completely new to the media. But they are also absolutely one way for corporations to milk money out of uh, people through novelty trash. So it's a very two-sided sword. Mm-hmm. And um, I would like to discuss with you if you um, what are your general thoughts and opinions about unique gimmicks that games base themselves on or um, outside peripherals that m- they make use of. And have you experienced some that you thought were successful or unsuccessful? Maybe mm. some that you thought were underutilized and you thought could be explored better in some way. You know, it's funny because like, I, I often think that when it's used well, it's when it like stops being thought for me as a gimmick in some ways. Like I'm not, I don't inherently think gimmicks are necessarily bad, but like, do you know what weirdly enough came to my head? Like obviously the rock, like band and guitar hero peripherals and all those, those have been, those are always amazing and they were wonderful. Yeah. But weirdly enough, the guitar hero DS was actually I really liked it. Like it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Although it did absolutely cramp your hand after like three or four yes, songs, for sure. Like they sure. they were 
they were very much short bursts, if ever. <laughs> the kind yes. of thing you do. And I, I fucking loved that there was like a little plectrum stylus mm. in the back and you pull it out yeah. and then you're playing Pat Benatar and it's like, yeah, I will hit you with my best shot. Yeah. Right? You're strumming, you're doing your thing. Like I was like, weirdly enough, I was just like, that shit just worked. Like they clearly, mm. like it wasn't, it could have easily been, like you said, a cash grab where they're just like, well, let's just throw it on the DS too. But they're like, no, like we're going to actually think about like, how do we make this an experience that still feels tactile instead of just like, oh, you're going to poke things when playing, right? And there was a version of that for like Rock Band. What they did is they sold it with like this really gross, like neoprene rubber peripheral that like wrapped mm. around the back of the DS light and then fit yeah. over the face buttons and the D-pad. And it was like the the drum kit. Yeah. Like, uh, See, that was the actually the one I got to try at some point. Um, oh, that one is trash. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. The other one uh, that you talk about, um, I saw, but I couldn't get it because at the time I didn't have like a DS with the um, what's the the GBA slot. Yeah, like I had yeah. three DS first, and then I had a DS, and by the time I had the DS, I couldn't get like the. <laughs> Uh, the Guitar Hero one. We have guitars uh, for the Wii version of Guitar Hero and Rock Band Home, which we still made use of because my sister absolutely loves Guitar Hero and Rock Band. No, she loves Rock Band. Sorry. Um, tomato, tomato. It's a tomato, tomato. Yeah, but the one thing I thought it was trash is that the gu- guitars for like for one game are incompatible for the other. Yeah. And that is like why they like work like Money almost Paola. the exact same fucking yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. I'm mad. It makes lots of sense. It makes lots of green dollar bill shaped senses. Yeah, that was yeah. the fight of the peripherals. I do want to drop. Oh, back but, to the oh, sorry. Go um, on. Go on. Oh, but in terms of gimmick, like without like the use of special peripherals and stuff. One that actually my boyfriend told me this morning when I brought this topic up was when he was playing Metal Gear Solid, the first one. Yes. Um, there's this one enemy that I forgot the name of, but that enemy very much tells you. Yeah, Psychomantis. The, oh, that, that enemy one, tells yeah. you like the games you've been playing. But also, it, it kind of like starts... I'm going to say, like, reading your moves before you attack and stuff like that, so you can really touch him. So uh, the way to actually go over that, that was very, very smart, was unplug the controller from the first port and plug it in the second port, and then you can uh, actually battle it. I love that so much. That that's That's one of my favorite kinds of game gimmicks, these meta tricks to mess with the player. Especially in horror games, that's one of the strongest things to pull by the developer. Mm. Yeah, it's and the other like... thing, the other one that came to mind, uh, which DS Zelda game were you playing, Rick? The one where you Phantom had to Hourglass. press. Yeah, I was going to bring that the up ma- actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's, in terms of meta tricks, that's the one that I always think about where you close the DS to so like. Sandwich the map. Another code did a very similar thing, but that game was kind of trash in a way that Phantom Hourglass was very much not for mm. the most part. So um, the DS was great for that kind of stuff. That I think it was already inherent in the fact that you've got the stylus and you're doing all that kind of stuff anyway. Um, but developers made really good use of that GBA slot. I mean, I have um, mm. a Rumble pack uh, that came as a pack in with Metro Prime Pinball and actually works with a surprisingly large amount of games. Um, so I replayed um, a DS first-person shooter called Moon 
just to sort of experience it again with Rumble. Uh, and that, I mean, that game's pretty rote. It, you know, I love Grown Against Kids stuff, but it's a very basic FPS. Rumble elevates it, and it, it's good Rumble. It's not like a wet fish Rumble. Like, it's it's actually a really, really well put together peripheral. Um, and the one that I've wanted for the longest time, but I've never been able to get hold of, um, when they ported Arkanoid to the DS, uh, they released a, a little paddle that plugged into the GBA slot. And so it allow you to twist it left and right to move um, nice. the, the ship in Arkanoid. And I think it worked with Space Invaders Extreme as well. Um, love stuff like that. Um, yeah. Love it. Yeah. And then in, go on. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead, Rick. I, oh, what was it? There's something in my head. Here, I'll let you think about it while I, because I, there was one other one that I was thinking of, and um, the Ring Fit, like the Ring Con, um, for Ring Fit Adventure, like it's such, it's it's excellent, and I think that is actually an example of, because I, I think the Wii Fit balance board was pretty dumb, like it, like I mean, you know, it's fine, whatever. I guess they used it okay, but like what I love about the Ring Con is that they took something that is already an established thing, right? Like this is a thing that's used in other exercises. I forget the specific exercise thing that uses it. Um, and then they just kind of like use it to the max, right? By like adding that Joy-Con to it and having the accelerometer in on it, it like just becomes this whole new method of input. And like during the pandemic was a really genuinely like effective um exercise tool like when i couldn't get to my gym it was closed i was having a great time with ring fit and i was like anything that like i find the best gimmicks of peripherals it's when like you truly could not play the game without it you know like then you're just like yeah this is it you know um yeah speaking of uh fitness stuff uh fitness boxing is actually like a very fun cardio boxing rhythm game on the Mm -hmm. nintendo switch that i got uh digitally just because I, i kind of like wanted like just to move because pandemic thank you <laughs> and i actually had a lot of fun with it uh, for the little while that I, little while that i was playing and moving on for that there's not really like a gimmick but just like a stupid little detail that i absolutely love and i'm so sad that the switch doesn't have like, like an actual microphone is that in the East Attorney games, you can actually like sh- uh, shout, hold it, objection, and all that stuff, <laughs> and it recognizes it. And I went crazy with that, uh, like during all my play- playthroughs of the games, and it was amazing. I just <laughs> wanted the, to bring the, the that DS one up. The microphone was like so rubbish that basically it could only register making noise, not yeah. making noise. So actually, you could do anything right up to and including just blowing into the microphone, and it'd be fine. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but immersion. <laughs> I, I, I love the contrast. I love the idea of you just like into the microphone. He's like, hold it. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to know. Also, oh, go on. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to bring Matt in because with questions like this, I always feel like there's something that you're thinking about that's prompted it. <clears throat> Actually, uh, have that Nintendo DS mic, there's one good use for it that I know of. Um, they used there used to be a Pokemon, I believe, in Diamond and Pearl it was introduced. I might be wrong. It was a parrot, and you could actually teach him uh, a sentence or a sound through the really? mic. And that was <laughs> right. that was its move. And I, I absolutely loved that at the time, even though the move itself was trash. And you couldn't, obviously, you couldn't use it online either. <laughs> no, actually, you couldn't use it online because it would crash the game. It was banned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it oh. wasn't because of like the potential for obvious abuse. I thought that was the reason. Yeah, 
That's no, fun. I think it it actually like caused some kind of glitch with the game, and, and the and the battle would just stop working, so you couldn't <laughs> use Shadow on on the online battles. Oh, the Nintendo! Pokemon. I just watched that, that you. Pokemon. Yeah, got a bad rap. He needs to come back. Well, I just watched too, like a great video on like I was thinking about like the first peripheral I think I ever used um, oh. was the Nest light gun, right? Like Bam. that thing was like the best, you know. And like I think about like I, I was just watching like yesterday, and I'm like as I'm frantically, yeah, um, gaming historian. He did like a whole thing, the ultimate guide to Nest light guns. Um, it's like a 57 minute long look at all of them, and like. That thing was dope. Like, I remember being at, like, I think it was, like, my, like, babysitter when I was super young and she had the, like, gun, you know, you're pointing at the TV and shooting and, like, it's so... And again, like, I think what it demonstrates is just, like, something that is so obvious when you pick it up. Like, for me, like, a solid peripheral is, like, I grab this thing and the game turns on and I'm, like, yep, I know what to do. Maybe you got to give me, like, a, a brief second, but, like, I know what's up. Like, Guitar Hero Guitar, I put that in my hand and go, yeah, I'm going to play guitar. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it translates something that you're like, I know what's about to happen here. Uh, whereas, like, shit peripherals are the ones where it's like, I don't know, not to throw a whore into the bus, but, like, it's, like, made by Mad Cats or some shit, and you're like, ah! <laughs> uh, and it's, like, falling apart plastic, and you're like, fuck! Um, but Stop like, it! They're already dead! Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> or, like, the DK bongos, like, sorry, but... Maybe fun for that one game, but yeah. <laughs> hey, I always think it's just bad peripherals. Do any of you remember the storybook they did for that one Harry Potter game on PS4? <laughs> yeah. I know it, it, it exists, but I've mm. never... I thought it was a book. I didn't know it was a peripheral. Yeah, so basically, it's, it's not a book book. It's a book with like a few pages of QR codes in it. And it works in conjunction with the PlayStation Eye and the move controllers <clears throat> and you have to like cast spells and do things i'm, I'm aware that it's a thing Book I don't of really spells. That. and uh it, it sold i think pretty horribly because they had plans to like make other games that used said book um yeah and i'm seeing it that now. didn't happen mm-hmm. oh that's terrible that's yeah terrible. it's not the one if you want to look well, it up folks it's called harry potter uh, book of spells or just wonder book of spell ah whatever <laughs> And that came around in that beautiful time when, like, the 3DS and Vita launched and they both had, like, this AR thing built in where it's like, this is the next big innovation. It was, like, seven years too early because that tech just about worked. Um, And so, and in fact, there was one on the PSP as well. There was that Invisimals thing and they did it with the eye and then they did it on Vita as well. And it was just this, (laughs) this beautiful period of really awful augmented reality. That's not fair. Like, when it worked, it worked but it didn't really work. And I can't believe we haven't talked about Kinect. (laughs) They did another, um, oh, what was it? What series? I think it was like um, Fatal Frame. They did like a a Mm. spirit camera thing for the 3DS and it came with a little booklet. Yes. Oh, the AR stuff, yeah. Yeah, I I found a PDF and bought like a a loose cartridge for like a pound. So obviously it's not much use without the book, but it's like, ha I can get the book and I can do it on my phone and then just scan it that way. Still haven't done it, but that's want to look out for in the future connect you were saying alex and you absolutely well, right. just what saying, yeah you could give me that was that you know was what? rough supposedly when they were developing it it was way more powerful and the, its mm-hmm. capabilities got scaled back and back and back yeah to make it cost effective to the point that it wasn't in any other way effective exactly that's the oh, problem okay. it was genuinely ahead like oftentimes these peripherals are too far ahead of like 
ability to produce them for consumers yeah. right like there's something that oh, could have yeah. been cool at like a fucking microsoft kiosk or something right but like to put that into people's homes it's like no like it, you're gonna have to scale it back so far that it ends up being this useless thing and like i will say yeah. i i think in general the wii as well was an impressive gimmick in a lot of ways like yes yeah worse um i think than the ds but when it was used well was really fun and i still like you know last year the pandemic like i i I busted out that wii and i was playing some wii games and like (laughs) the ones that relied more on the pointing and like tilting and stuff worked really nicely like it was just like points is great the points you can't fall right like and that to me was like actually like something that i'm like that's a that's some good shit man like trauma center on that thing was crazy fun (laughs) you know like i'm just um, gonna say mm -hmm. The same way that Rick has a blessed PS4, I feel that I have like a blessed uh, Wii U um, with controllers because I've never ever had like any issues uh, using motion controls on that thing. Like it depends on the game. at all. It depends yeah. on the game, but like on Skyward Sword, that is like the the game that you usually hear people saying it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It works for me, so it's like do I have a blessed controller or something like that. Oh, my controller worked. I just hate that game. Um. Oh, my God. That's the sad thing with the Wii. Like, Motion Plus came out a year before that thing, like, was superseded by the Wii U. And Motion Plus is what that that controller was always promised to be. Yeah, The the controller could do more, though, than just motion control. Like, one of my favorite things that the Wii controller could do was um, function like a phone in that one horror game called Calling. It's oh, such yeah. a specific function, but it's just, it, it's a simple use too, but it's so genius just for immersion into the horror game. They did that yeah. in Silent Hill Shattered Memories as well. It, I mean, can I ask you a thing? Hmm. Like, I know like in Skyward Sword, when you swing the remote, uh, it, it hmm. sounds like the like the sword. Does it sound like a phone and does phone sounds like on those games? <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it's pretty cool. So, like, in it, there are various games, and some on PS4 and stuff like now that they've got the speakers that use that speaker, which I'd never really thought of as a gimmick until we've just had it come up in this conversation. But I suppose really it is. Um, so, like in Dead Space Extraction, if you picked up an audio log, obviously you're playing that close to you, so that audio log would play out of the speaker. Um, in Shattered Memories, you did have to answer it by putting it up to your ear, and it would play through like it was a phone. Um, oh, what other ones did that? I feel like some of the, the Fatal Frame games and like stuff like that used it for various sort of spooky things as well. Nice. Um, um, in terms of the releases. Wait, uh, before we keep rolling games. on here, I just want to, um, can we put maybe a last thought on this? Because we're creeping real close to a two-hour mark here. <laughs> we should... Oh, mama. <laughs> we we still got to guess the game. Um, yeah. Yeah, we got guess the game and we got how long to beat the game. So oh, let's... Okay. Last thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can uh, I go with Paolo, the Wii U? One thought, and then go ahead, Matt. Finish this off. Yeah. Okay. Even though the Wii U wasn't like really used in a very effective way in most of the games, one example that I can think of that I think is very cool is the Zombie U game because you could check mm-hmm. your back 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 on the gamepad like in real time, yeah. which was neat. It was used less effectively in Tokyo VR sessions, sharp FE as a phone that you could check as you play the game. And they just like the extra map on Wing Wicker. So, Rick. I have Matt, nothing else I, think, yeah. like I, I wanted to hit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think, Matt, you had something you wanted to say, right? Yes. 
uh, off the record, I just dropped out for the last few seconds. So if the, oh, you're fine. whatever was going on, I missed it. Um, yeah, my my two my last two cents. One in terms of physical gimmicks or peripherals, I think my favorite so far is the 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 Boktai series with the uh, UV light sensor and the GBA uh, slot, which is I love the way that it's um, an inactive way to manipulate the game, but it's such a unique experience that can not even be replicated with emulation or something. Mm. And um, in terms of not physical gimmicks, uh, I briefly talked about that before. In horror games, one of my favorite kind of horror games are on the PC mainly games that break the uh, the um, the frame of themselves and go outside of the actual software they are running on. Games like um, um, Rick talked about I'm Scared a few episodes ago where the game actually creates a physical file on your desktop to mess with you and give you clues and hints. And uh, games that have you um, rummage through Windows files to do some puzzles or you have to actually open them over and over again to, to make the story progress and they mess with you. Fake uh, Steam messages <laughs> from friends. I've had that before and that really freaked me out. When they are done right and you really cannot tell where the game's boundaries are anymore, that's that's uh, some of the best game experiences I've ever had. Nice. And nice. that's pretty much fine. And for that, yeah. Perfect. Well, now it is time for Guest the Game, where the aim of the game is to guess the guest's game. God, that's a great right. title. <laughs> so Matt's <laughs> picked out a, uh, a completion for us on how long to beat. Um, and it's going to read us the times and notes. And we're going to try to guess what it is. And Rick is the champ of this. So we'll see if we can beat Rick. Really, this is a competition. <laughs> I was going to say Paolo undefeated to date, right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. All right. Hit us. All right. So the, the general times are main story, nine hours. Main plus... 11 hours and completion 11. Uh, I got eight hand-picked notes here that I've sorted kind of okay. in a level of information for you. So we can go through them one by one. The first completion note, um, uh, main story, nine hours. The game is so linear that really is, there really is no difference between main and 100%. Just depends on how much scenery you take in. Do, I that, want to Hail Mary Shadow of the Colossus. Fuck no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. No. So, no, not that. All right. Mm -mm. Yeah, you just tell mm. me each time you want to go to the next one. All right. Let's let um. Let's go to the next one. I, I really yeah. can't narrow it down like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Next one, uh, five and a half hours for the main story. Wuss mode to make monsters not attack. Is this amnesia? No. Oh. Soma. Is this yeah? Soma. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. Me too. Oh, because I, I, I remember that mode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this I, the one that Everett's played a ton of? Sorry. I do want to mention, though, a few tidbits here from the completions because yeah, they yeah, are yeah. funny. <laughs> One person just wrote down, um, 
um, killed everyone. That's a good completion <laughs> note. Searched every crevice. I like that sentence. One person just wrote Lovecraft. I, I don't really know what that has to do with the completion itself. It, it's and... also not really on the money. No, yeah, it's not, not really. Good. And um, it's not really a spoiler, but one person wrote down, deleted myself, and without context, I really like that, just the thought. So how was your day? That's it. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, thank you. I can't believe I got one finally. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Yeah, All right. finally. Yeah. Get time... Rick, Rick. I have to let them have a couple. I've got to let them think that they've got a chance. There you go. Mm -hmm, so it's 3-1 mm -hmm. now. Rick's got three. I got one. Paolo's got... We've got to get more guests on here. Um, all right. Let's move yeah. on to... How long to beat the game? <laughs> to beat the game. <laughs> That's fine. You don't have to do it with me. <laughs> but you guys are just still Amazing. doing your dance. <laughs> um, Paolo, you're editing. What do we got? Jeez. Okay, we have the marvelous mistake, Ooh. and I actually had to send you the title. Wait, just yes, called the marvelous it, it's mistake. Mistake. No, it's the marvelous mistake. <clears throat> obviously, miss you know, take you know sounds this? like mistake. I'm not gonna. I'm win aware this one, of this game. But... I'm aware of this game. Miss. So, how much information are you allowed to look up? You can look it up. Anything just don't that's not the time. The time. I mean, you know, All right. Obviously, yeah. Wikipedia it is, I guess. Yeah, Wikipedia it's... is usually pretty good. Um... I, ca I can't even imagine it's what the hell is. It's a stealth video game. Oh, while you guys are Googling it, I can't believe I didn't bring this up before and I just have to briefly. Starfield. That Ubisoft game where they made the little ship and you had to like click them in like the Infinity type <laughs> stuff and nobody fucking bought it. So the starter pack was like £80 and you can literally get it for a fiver now. The worst part is that it's a good game, um, but they it's put all that, good, yeah. they pulled yep. that bullshit of all that stuff onto it. Now, if you can get it for super cheap, like on the eShop and stuff, it's worth it because it's it's basically a Star Fox game on Nintendo. Ooh, um, okay, yeah, honestly, but you're right. The marvelous mistake back on. Topic. Yeah, I'm having a real hard time, bro. I'm doing. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna fucking hail Mary. Um, oh, you gonna go five five five? No, I'm gonna do seven, eight, nine. That's what I'm gonna do because I got no idea. Like I have genuinely, like I've had a pretty good winning streak over the last little while, um, and I think this is the day where Alex just tanks because I do not know how long this is. I just saw something that yeah. said twenty-five art galleries, so I assume it's long-ish. Okay, it has a Metacritic score of sixty-nine. That's nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I am uh, gonna say oh, where is the document? There. Okay, I'm gonna say that it is about six hours and a half for a main. Oh. Just heard Rick for... <laughs> I'm gonna bite my tongue. Uh, this is like the tricky part. Okay, I'm gonna say ten. <clears throat> no, nine hours for main plus, and then I'm gonna say thirteen hours for a hundred percent. Okay. No, actually I... a little bit more. Thirteen hours and a half. 
I think this game was a smidge longer. So I'm putting 10 hours for main, 12 hours for main plus, and 15 hours for 100%. I feel like it's a wee bit stodgier I'll do nine uh, and a half than you guys hours. have gone for. Yeah, I'm going to uh, say so 10 hours have... in the middle and 14 and a half for 100%. What are you saying, Matt? So, Rick, you are the only one who has prior context for this. Basically, <laughs> in the sense that I recognize the game's name, yeah. I, in my head, it's like a stealth game, a little bit like Stealth Chameleon, mm. but right. I could be completely wrong. So I don't, you... I'm, I, yeah. yeah, I'm going with main three hours, main plus four hours, one hundred percent, four and a half hours, maybe. I don't think this is gonna be a big game, like I, you people. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have this is a pure hail mary guess that I've got going here. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> What's going to happen is all three of us are going to get it, and Matt's not, and we're going to ask ourselves yet again why the guests never get any points. (laughs) (laughs) The guests did once. The system is rigged anyway. It's because we've played this. What is this? This is our 50, what, sixth episode? Yeah, close to, if not a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, we have have played this game so many times now. I think we're we're becoming slight pros. (laughs) All right, uh, Paula, tell us what we got. Okay, for... Main story, six hours. Okay. Oh, okay. Main plus extras, nine hours. Oh, okay. And completion is 12 hours and a half. Hey! Oh, you've missed out on 100%. I believe this. You actually were just scraping in until that 100%. And the the prophecy has come true. That's five points for all the regular hosts. And uh, and the guest, you get nothing. Good day, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Rick and I are at 133 and Paula's at 118. Unfortunately, we've had a, a string of good luck the last few episodes. We're sorry, Matt. You were close. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's right. We've got so you buddies. I've memorized the how long to beat catalog. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, Truly. Stay tuned. Next week, we have another special surprise for all you lovely listeners. Um <laughs> This whole month is going to be full of lovely special surprises, so stay tuned for that. Toodaloos, folk. Take it easy. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.